0: And the union's inspiration Welcome 2209 to another podcast. Um, today we actually have a large group with us, and we are going to probably break this down into segments, but I think it's time as UAW members and of Local 2209 to start having that uncomfortable conversation everybody
1: wants to avoid. What uncomfortable conversation? Um,
0: diversity racial okay. biases so i mean that fits different in with our biases
1: fits in with our core values right mm-hmm. it co- does constitution mm-hmm. so before we get cracking into that um we have some bad news
2: uh we'll let rob go ahead and break it to it's you it's not all. bad news it's just i mean it sad. is good news. it
1: is sad it's sad for us but it is good great for feeling him.
2: like i'm bringing a cloud to the atmosphere all right you know, I, all right be well then, then clear the air
1: bring the, the sunshine
2: smurfs, everything Um, I will be leaving not only Local 2209, but GM. Um, I'm going to back into the field that I was in before I came out here. Um, I work for Benchmark Human Services. Uh, We take care of adults and kids with uh, mental and physical disabilities. Um, I did that for 12 years before I came to GM. I love the field, I missed it. Um, But I do appreciate what GM has brought me. I not only gained friendship, I gained a lot of brotherhood and sisterhood, Um, but I also learned and grew within the union and found my voice on this local. So I appreciate you guys, and I appreciate the local 2209, Holly, Richie, everybody for just giving me a chance and looking at me and saying, hey, you can't make a difference. So, But I'm gonna miss everybody, you know, but I'm only a phone call away. I'm still gonna help out. I'm still gonna volunteer my time all right so we're gonna
1: kick it off now and we're gonna go around the room uh, each person's gonna introduce themselves give where they work in the plant what shift they're on so uh, we'll go ahead and start here with Ann
3: my name's Ann I work third shift Badger line
4: I'm Janice I work in GCA first shift
3: I'm Linda I'm a uh, first shift alternate committee in district 2
4: Brenda Marshall Robinson first shift alternate a health and safety trainer
5: Donna Boker, trim four, second shift.
6: Nelson Rodriguez, body shop, and uh, education committee chairperson.
7: Stephanie Higdon, I work uh, second shift paint finesse, and I'm the chair of the union label committee.
1: And then it's uh, just me, Dave, Rob, and Angie. And then we got uh, Josh Olson sitting here, and uh, he's going to be observing as an alternate for the future. And we got uh, Jason Jackson sitting over here too. And um, so we're going to kick it off here. Uh, Stephanie, what is the United Front?
7: So we've been all participating in the United Front, which is a um, group of classes every month. There's a bunch of us taking it. It's diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's taught by a Dr. Lasambe. He's a professor. Um, came over here from South Africa when he was 16. And every month we um, watch a keynote. Uh, he teaches it and then we participate in a zoom meeting with everybody and we've been doing a different topic every month so far we've covered individual bias microaggressions stereotype threats imposter syndrome high context dependency allyship privilege power and position
1: so those are some pretty big vocabulary words so we're just going to go through real quick what is individual bias can you tell me in your own words can you explain it to me?
7: Um, it's basically like when there's something that you might inherently be biased to, um, but okay. you didn't even realize it. Okay. Just like when you might roll up the car window mm-hmm. when someone goes by, like as a woman and you see a man and it's night and you didn't even realize you were doing it.
1: Okay, okay. And then that was individual bias, perceived bias. It goes along with that. and Yeah, there's
7: different levels under individual bias. There's a perceived, implicit, anchor, and organizational bias.
1: So we were talking a little bit earlier about anchor bias, and I just wanted to bring that up real quick here under the discussion, but uh, I thought this was really interesting when it was being described to me. Can you tell me what anchor bias is?
7: Anchor bias is when you base a decision on someone based on limited information, maybe built in time from life
1: experiences. So that's like you, le- you learn that from your parents or grandparents or whatever right yeah
7: it's built in generation to generation to generation okay
1: so with these classes um you guys said you were given these these uh keynote topics right to talk about or you guys watch these keynote speeches and then um so what do the classes consist of once you guys watch the, the keynote
7: there's a keynote slide and then dr Sambe gives a presentation he sometimes has other experts in there and um, they do show us studies that have been done on some of these topics. And then we participate in a Zoom session with other leaders from around the city and get to discuss these topics, how they relate to our everyday lives, um, how they affect us every day in our workplaces, things of that nature. We discuss it with our other coworkers and how we didn't maybe even know what these words were, but how they're happening.
1: So can you give me any examples
6: that where I could see it at work? You got a lot of questions, Mike. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um,
7: in organizational bias, bias it says individual biases intentionally or unintentionally institutionalized and embedded into systems and structures within an organization. So that could be like we have the TEP system. Okay. That is exactly what that means. So okay. um, we use the word temp all the time. And a lot of times we use it in a derogatory manner. We use temp to identify how they are labeled because they are different, but a lot of times people use the word temp in a bad way. Like, well, why don't you just go have the temp do that? Right. Right. That is a organizational bias that we have, like an individual bias sometimes. But what people need to start realizing is that we are supposed to have solidarity and we are supposed to be a brotherhood and a sisterhood and we need to change the way we use that word. We all have a name. Mm -hmm. We can use temp as a distinguishing factor Mm -hmm. when it comes to like an LA or a temp, when it comes to classification or manpower, but to not use it in a derogatory
6: term. And Steph, sometimes people use that temp language or saying, I'm a temp because- They feel less than. To tell their story or so that it could benefit them because they want something out of it too. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes people use, or oh, I'm a Hispanic, or I'm from this company, or, I'm, or we have more money, or I'm from this local. to so, uh, boost yourself, mm-hmm. or to get something out of it, you know, to gain some strength. So there's a whole bunch of different biases. It's not just about color, it's about status, money. It's about, it's a lot about a a lot of things which we will probably discuss it here. It's like when we discuss anchor bias, that's why you brought it up, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> anchor bias, it's, it's huge, it's, it's something that we all have, and anchor bias is, is deep-rooted inside you, something that you grew up with, something that, that you inherited from your parents, from your neighborhood, from, from your schools. A lot of times, we, we express it without even knowing. You know, which is, the, which is the bias in that one, where you express it without even knowing? Is it perceived?
7: Implicit. <clears throat> implicit. Unconscious, involuntary, yeah. unknown so it's
6: Implicit. So a lot of times those deep, those deep anchored biases come out implicitly without knowing. And with these classes that we're doing, is to get you to acknowledge it. Because those anchored biases, some of them are pretty pretty horrible,
3: mm-hmm.
6: you know, and it's not our fault. But once we recognize it, it is our fault whether to do something good with it and to acknowledge it.
4: And to get back to what... Um, Stephanie was saying when we talk about the word temp, that's just a classification mm-hmm. because the common denominator is whether you're a temp or a full-time employee, you're a worker. Being a health and safety trainer, when they send a temp into my class, I don't look at them as temps. I look at them as my student. They're an employee that need to be trained. So that's something we need to look at as we, like she stated, we're identifying people. Temp can be a lot of time used in a negative, but the common denominator, we're workers.
2: That's true. A lot of temps on the floor think they don't have a uh, voice or say so. So you'll hear them say, hey, I'm a temp. I can't do that. And you'd be like, no, your brother, your sister. We do this together. We can go get you a committee man and talk. You know? And we
4: even sometimes, you'll hear them say, I'm just a, t- a temp, right. making them devalue really who they are. Mm-hmm. The temp is just your classification. Yeah. You are a UAW
7: GM worker. And that is our job as leaders to help change that.
6: And it's cool because we have Dr. Lasambe. Dr. Lasambe is amazing. And some of his uh, co-hosts too as well, like uh, Crystal Walker, Dr. Crystal Walker, and Dr. Deborah Fay. They're just amazing people. I mean, they're really into what they do. And Dr. Lasambe actually teaches you first about your mind, how your mind works, about the thalamus and amygdala, and how, how things are transmitted through your brain. So we actually know exactly, what it's doing, why you're, you're saying what you're saying, why you feel the way you feel. Knowing that, knowing the mechanics of it is amazing. Like this class from the beginning, they're teaching you the mechanics and then eventually what they want is how you can bring it to your membership or bring it to your workplace. Okay.
0: So can we actually back up just a minute? Like why was United Front formed and how did we get involved in it? Important to understand all the contributing factors.
3: So Amy Houston, is part of the parks and rec, or the parks, the trails, the Fort Wayne trail, yeah, trails, or okay. And so <laughs> she was, there, her group there was doing this class, implementing this United Front. It started in Fort Wayne, and they're doing, like, a lot of businesses and organizations are doing this, and she brought it to Holly and said, hey, I think we could benefit from this. And she got it rolling here and picked, what, 30-some people that she felt would be understanding and open to this program and to either bring it to the organization later or at least be able to implement it in their little work pod, our teams at work, like, and talk Mm -hmm. to it amongst people. And so that's how we got involved with it.
0: Anytime we're ever educated on something, the important things is that we bring it back to the floor. So I'm glad that we actually got involved in it because there was so many questions, so many questions that we might have, but just kind of curious on that part.
1: You guys said you started the classes in January, right? Mm-hmm. So September now, so eight months. So what have you guys learned so far? I mean, other than the topics, can one of you give me like an example of like what you've taken away from your these personal growth? Yeah.
5: I personally learn from hearing other people in the class and their stories Mm -hmm. and where they're coming from and it makes me think back to things that I went through growing up and how I can relate to them, also how I did not experience that and how I can have empathy and how I can learn from their experience to go on and be a better person myself and do things different so that I don't do that to other people.
4: And for me, uh, being the change, me being the change that I want to see, you know, and being uh, an Afro-American female, a lot of stuff we talked about today that, you know, we experienced, and it's really because of the color of our skin. One of the things that Martin Luther King stated that I love, you know, don't judge me by my skin color, by the content of my character, of who I am. And I was sharing with the group today, my mother taught us Not, we know what color is, but we look at individuals, you know, so being in this group and like uh, Donna said, hearing the stories, uh, it helped you to be very, very, have empathy towards people and what they go through. Because even being a black female, there's a lot of stuff I didn't experience. You know, I raised in Muncie, Indiana all my life. Mm -hmm. So my dad's story is different than my story. Stuff he experienced is different. But even still, we talked about it today, a lot of stuff that we think we have overcome, we really haven't.
1: I'm going to go around. Linda, what do you think you've learned? What have you taken from this class?
7: The stories of other people is, is really what I take in because I did not experience a lot of this. I mean, it came at me as being a gay female growing up. I just didn't allow people to treat me any different. So taking the stories that I hear from everybody is what I'm gaining from this and my empathy.
1: Okay, Janice.
4: I've learned that we have words for things that I've lived. I've lived, uh, I was born in the South, and I lived through a lot of the um, studies and uh, uh, examples that they have. But I didn't have words for it. I didn't have the names for it. So they have broken down and divided what each meaning is individual bias, uh, microaggression. Um, I feel that a lot of the uh, studies I've lived it being a black African American woman raised in the South, and I experienced a lot of the things that. Uh, we're talking about here. And now I realize that a lot of people have no clue and they are learning how to empathize even though they didn't experience it. They are learning how to have empathy toward other people. And it's opening my view of them because unless they understand where I'm coming from, they don't understand me. And then once they do understand me, then we could have a ground of just knowing each other and being uh, more sympathy, more empathy toward each other.
0: And you when know. you say you're from the South, where, where are you from from the South?
4: I was born in Macomb, Mississippi.
0: And that, like, do you feel like it, like where you were born and where you're from is different from, like, being here in Fort Wayne? No, because
4: everywhere, I, I lived in Los Angeles, I lived in Wisconsin, and I, I was born and raised in the South. And everywhere you go, there's this thing that I'm a black woman, more of my race, and then being a woman on top of that. So I don't, it was more vocal in the South, but Being in uh, Los Angeles, being in Wisconsin, being in Fort Wayne, Indiana, it's still there. Mm
3: -hmm.
6: And Angie, it's that key word she said, empathy. It's like it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. where you go, a lot of people lack that empathy. So, to her, it's not much different being here than over there. They're all lacking empathy. She's feeling the same way. Right.
0: Well, and I was just asking because, like, I was born and raised in Fort Wayne, so I haven't, I mean, unless I go visit somewhere, I didn't know if, like, regionally it could be different, or it's, like you said, it's more vocal in the South than maybe here, per se. So, you might have a lot of those different, you know, anchored or, you know, different type of way people will pass those biases on to someone else in different regions is, is kind of what I was kind of wondering.
4: And Angie, I do think um, in the South, uh, this just happened two years ago, my family had a family reunion in Grenada, Mississippi. We stopped at a gas station and my dad was scared to get gas and they actually moved him to a different pump and That's in the South. So I think, you know, demographic and still some areas still got work to do. I mean, literally they moved him to a different pump so he thinking There's no gas here, right? But we washed it. It was because of the color of his skin. This was two years ago.
2: Well, I'll tell you this. We have a lot of family Mm -hmm. reunions, and my people are from Alabama Mm -hmm. and Atlanta area. And we were told, especially in the family reunions, when we were getting 21 and starting to party a little more, you can't go to this town. Absolutely. You can't get gas at this town. Absolutely. Or if a cop pulls you over, you do exactly what they say. Now, not only have my parents have taught me that, in Fort Wayne, mm-hmm. because there was a time when we couldn't go to um, Dale, mm-hmm. Indiana, in Fort Wayne, Dale.
7: I grew up in Wayndale. I know, but
2: there was a time mm-hmm. in the Wayndale. 70s and 60s when my dad was a short order cook at Az- Azar's, big boys, where he had, get a sh- he had to be off his shift at a certain time, because. Absolutely. So it's, it's, I understand the whole part of down south, it's more spoken, yes. but up north, it's more hit a little bit, and that's what I was taught. I don't know Rob, I don't know, I
6: don't know. I think they
2: find
4: different words to use, Yeah. you know, and get around where it's not the exact words they may use in the South, but they have chosen words that they use amongst each other.
6: Different way of slinging things.
4: (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah.
6: Go ahead, Linda.
7: These stories are a prime example of what I say. I'm getting out of this in our discussions. Yeah.
1: Me too, because like remember. I said,
7: I grew up in Wayndale, and that's, I mean, not that I don't...
4: Yeah. But you're young, Stephanie.
7: I'm not you're as young. young as you think I am, Brenda.
1: <laughs> I don't know, this is off and on topic, I guess. I don't know if any of you watched Bill Maher, but he said the N-word on one of his shows, and he brought um, Ice Cube. But the point that you brought up about them changing the words, so he brought mm-hmm. up that they might not say the N-word anymore, but they say thug instead of the N-word, mm-hmm. and I just thought when you were saying that, that my mind went there and I was like that is interesting because you walk around and that, it, that word is thrown around a lot but it's socially acceptable because it's not the word that mm-hmm. no one can say right or yeah. white people can't say specifically mm-hmm. yeah
6: and, but with the, with the united front they're delving into more so more than just saying the end word right it's, it's the premise is why you know why is it used and it, a lot of this spurred off from the black lives matter movement it's black lives matter movement had they had something to say, and they said it loudly. Mm-hmm. And some people don't like that right. because in history, it's it's they want you to protest in their way, you know. Because eventually, if I protest and I'm quiet about it, you're probably gonna forget about it. Right. But if I'm breaking something, then you got to remember that, right. and everybody else is gonna remember that. So this was spurred on. It was actually, I, th- I believe, the the Fort Wayne Fire Department that um, initiated a lot of this as well, because it was a great chance. Because when I, I, I me being Hispanic. When I, when I saw the Black Lives Matter movement, when I saw the video, when I, and I, when I had my kids with me at some of the rallies and stuff, the thing that amazed me the most, that inspired me the most was the diversity in there. Seeing, it was like when I was driving on the street and, and seeing just individual, just not even a, a, a minority, but just a white person holding signs saying Black Lives Matter, that was amazing. That led me to believe, it gave me the, it just built my soul up because I was like, wow, it's here again. What are we gonna do with it? We have inclusion now. Everybody is joining in on this. Mm-hmm. This is our chance to talk. And the Fort Wayne Fire Department and the United Front and Fort Wayne and the Fort, city of Fort Wayne took it upon themselves to make sure that we continue the conversation. Because if we don't continue the conversation, where do we go? We go backwards again, right? We never get it through. And the hardest part of inclusion, diversity, of bringing everyone together is to talk. It's to tell your story. It's to listen is to acknowledge what anchor biases I have, what I have inside that I'm doing wrong, you know, what biases I have, what I don't like about somebody that I need to correct myself. You know, people don't like that. People, you, you tell somebody they don't, want they don't want to hear something, they just get up and leave.
7: Everybody has some. And if you don't admit that you do, exactly. you're lying. It is what it is. Yeah, so it's
6: not just about like the N-word because people call me a lot of names too, right? right? But why are they doing it? And are we acknowledging it or just letting it go? You know, we're part of a union. We're part of the UAW and our core values, are, you know, state what we do, who we are, and being inclusive and acknowledging diversity is part of who we are. We're in solidarity.
4: I got a question for you, Nelson. Why do you think a Black Lives Matter was so effective this time, the movement?
6: Because how loud it was. How, two things, how loud it was, but most importantly, the diversity within it.
4: And another thing that you, I was hoping you brought up what you said earlier, is because of what they actually seen. And let's talk about Floyd's situation, for example.
6: Yeah, that was. You know, they showed that. the
4: video of the police with, you know, the eight minutes and 46 seconds. Once that was seen by every human being, not regardless of your color, that's when
0: it became a movement.
6: It touched their soul. To see that's that. when it became a movement.
0: And it's too bad that we have to wait till technology yeah. can post a video to show Absolutely. the things that have been going on for years. And I mean, we're still having the same fight we've been having for years. And part but of that was because of COVID
7: it. was around because those videos have been around. I mean, Philando Castile was on video and that only was 74 seconds. But the problem was we, nobody was at home during COVID. So, and that happened in 2016. The difference is everyone was at home during COVID when George, it
2: happened. So they really
6: got to see it.
7: So people more people it. saw it, and that's what spurred it. I mean, do these you, videos have been long before that.
2: Do you kind of think it was just now is the time people want to acknowledge it? Because think about Rodney King. That absolutely, was 91, yeah. and that was on video. Yeah, that's absolutely. what I'm saying. You know, but I think absolutely. this time around, this sh- there's more this people, generation, this
7: generation, yeah, exactly. Is
2: more capable of speaking up and like, no, we're not going to keep accepting this. I love the fact that mm-hmm. you guys are opening up dialogue on this. Um, I kind of practice that at work. We have to open up dialogue on this mm-hmm. stuff, and we have to be able to communicate. And you have to be able to speak your piece, and I have exactly. to be able to speak my piece, because we have two different sides of what we learn. We can go down the same street, but your view of that street and my view of that street is totally different. And I like what
4: you said about speaking up. I told them in the group we were talking before we got here, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is in, in everything you do, get an understanding. It don't say we have to agree in all you're getting, get an understanding. So how do you get understanding? By communicating, by talking. I may not agree with it, but I can understand it. So that's huge, communication, dialoguing.
7: Back to the beginning of this, like what Nelson said, one of the topics that we just dis- discussed in our keynotes was allyship, which is an ally is an individual that fights for the equality, opportunity, and inclusion of a group that is outside of their own identity. Allyship is not a one-size-fits-all journey. So like he said when he was driving around with his kids and seeing you know, just a white person holding a Black Lives Matter sign. That's part of what we're learning about is, you know, you could be an ally for everybody. Everybody should be an ally for each other. So it doesn't, you know, doesn't matter how you do it, but how we all could be better allies for each other.
6: Let you feel like you're not alone?
7: What I like in this
5: program is we all come from different points of understanding. We all come from our own journey to get to where we are right now. And this helps you not to be afraid to discuss where you are and not to be afraid to ask for more understanding to get where you need to go so that you are able to live this and show people this and help them to understand, not just yourself, but others.
6: Yeah, so it's, it's like we, we, all have, we all have our story. And the saddest thing is that sometimes, like we just said here when we're just, before we, we logged on to this podcast, we're like, you know, the worst thing to do is to not say your story, it's to leave here and not be able to see what you had to say. Because then you're writing home, right? And you're like, Ugh, I didn't say that. I should have said it. You know? That's the worst thing. So that's why we're telling our stories here and we're hoping it affects everybody else because, you know, this is opportunity. This is opportunity to better ourselves, to better our union, you know? Better us as individuals in our households. You know? You know, it's like, and it just, it's just not about, you know, like I said, it's just not about the color of your skin. It's about your ethnicity. It's about the way you talk. It's about what part of town you're from. Is that I couldn't even. I was I was a West Side boy. I was a Pine Harbor boy. I couldn't even go into my own Hispanic, you know, group, because of where I where I lived, where I grew up. I couldn't even I couldn't even go there, you know. And it was like our school. Our school was a brand new school, right in the middle of the hood. And why I was in the middle of the hood because the water was right there. And so, so guess who, guess what kids got to go to that? It was all the suburban kids, all the politicians. So I, when I was in school, it was a little diverse because you had to let the the hood go in there. So you had the hood kids with the politician's kids. So it helped me roll up well around myself because I got to be more diverse with that. I got to see that. But you see, you see the biases and you see what's really going on in society, how society laws and everything affects us, how your communities and, and where you live, how it affects us without even knowing. That brand-new school, should a, should a person that lived 40 miles away been able to go to that school, have a bus go back over there and then bring them over there so their child could go into a brand new school? No. So, you know, this is the way we're acknowledging it. We're seeing it. We're saying, hey, this is what it is. This is what's happening. And you see it, you acknowledge it, or you can run away from it. With United Front, we're trying not to run away from it. We're trying to bring it it here within our organization, figure out ways to bring it here within the UAW, and uh, to build upon it to make us better, you know? We don't, we don't, we're not raised to go backwards, right? right? We want to progress ourselves and go forward.
4: I think one of the differences uh, when you brought up Rodney King, uh, the whole world wasn't able to just witness that. And we were shut down with COVID, and everybody was quarantined. And we were sitting there watching TV with our kids. How could you explain that to your child and do nothing about it? You watched a man die eight minutes and 46 seconds with a knee on his neck. And how could you, your child is home with you, you all sitting at the kitchen table or around the uh, living room watching TV. Everybody's doing pretty much the same thing. The whole entire world saw this. And how can you explain that to your children? At the end of the day, what are we gonna do about it? We, I mean, this cannot keep happening. Once that was shown, then they start diving into the other tragedies that has happened. And they could bring up Rodney King and they could bring up uh, the other Trayvon, Martin. Trayvon Martins. And, and that's when people start having the empathy toward what was going on in the world. I don't know if they had time you know everybody was busy and then covid shut everything down and the whole world saw what was going on it at the same time but isn't that a great example of their strength in numbers because at that point we all was doing the exact same thing and all of us had the exact same emotions so guess what happened the movement came the black Lives matters and it wasn't only black people that was in that movement it was diverse, because there's strength in numbers. Exactly, and the same thing if you go back into our history with slavery, until someone else saw what was actually happening to us and people felt or had empathy toward the cruelty, that's when other races, stepped up and start fighting and said this is just not right, this is injustice.
6: Yeah, because you think about it, look, look gay, you know, gays, lesbians, LGBTQ, you know, Hispanics, Asians, they all deal with the same, they, they, they felt, when they saw that, that knee on that man's neck, they all felt the same way. Because in some way or another, all of us, everybody in this room has felt that way regardless of what color were where you at because if, if, if I wasn't here, if, if we didn't have any Latinos, we didn't have any blacks, and it was just all whites, you'd be discriminated because your because of your eye color, right, or your hair, or your, or your redhead, right? Right. And any, when, it's like I, when I say in our classes for Education Committee, you know, if you see a brother down, you pick him up because soon one day you will be there too. You know, and that's, that's with any race or anything. We're here to take care of our brothers and sisters. We're here to take care of ourselves, our brothers and sisters, our families, and our communities. We don't do that. We don't acknowledge our faults, then we're not doing anything, you know, as a union, as a people, as a country.
4: Jenis said something huge. Um, It was when we all came together that this was even looked at. I mean, with the Black Lives Matter, would have been effective if it were just all blacks? It would not have been effective. When you looked across the whole world, And you see whites and Hispanics and every nationality was a part of this movement. That's when it became really vocal and you actually saw it. But if it was only blacks doing this, it would have been tear gas and shut down. So that's huge. When certain people came into the mix, that's when it became very visible. The whole country. The whole country.
2: Just think, the whole country. Absolutely. They even have people overseas, yeah, protesting. You know, yeah, London. Really you know, yes. all these places where different nationalities are mixing and everything. Yeah,
7: that true allyship. Yes.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what made it really good. And that's what able um, people to open up more dialogue.
4: remember, I talked about earlier being strength in numbers. Think what it did to our government, seeing the world come together for this one thing. Yes. Think what it did to us.
3: I guess I've seen through others eyes I grew up like Brenda said also like we weren't taught color obviously you see the color of somebody's skin but you weren't taught to hate or dislike somebody just because of what they look like or their skin color with this class and also the black lives movement it's made me realize that I am an ally I always have been, but now I can be even more vocal or help where needed or be that friend that I always have been, but maybe in a different manner, like I can include other people or try to talk to other people about it, like more of a voice. This class has also shown me, like I've always been an empathetic person, so I didn't realize the amount of hate that people have learned from their parents, from growing up. And now I see it even more than I ever have, like, the hate, and that saddens me because, like, I never grew up that way. Like, I didn't know that, I mean, I knew there was hate and people didn't like people because of what they look like. But to the extent or the everyday little snarky comments that people think are jokes that are not funny, like, so that kind of thing where, you know, I'm seeing it wow, like, (laughs) you really hate somebody because of the way that their color of their skin or their hair color or because they're fat or skinny or tall or short or, like, wow. Like, if you're a jerk, you're a jerk. But who cares about what color you are or where you came from? I mean, at the end of the day, we're all humans, and deep down, we're all the same. We all bleed red. We, you know, so... That's what I've learned.
1: Thank you for sharing. Um, I don't know, I don't want to interject myself. But the I story say, was pretty deep. you yeah, ground, yeah, yeah. It? <laughs> well, it brought up memories. So um, I have cousins that are mixed. So whenever I was, they went to school with me and it was like a rule, all white school, basically. Just so uh, they're the same age as me. So growing up, it was never, they're just my cousins. But whenever I went to school, I could see the kids treating them differently and like the teachers treating them differently. And I, that's whenever I had to go home to my mom and be like, hey, what's going on? And then she's like, well, like, it's an issue. So I got to learn it pretty young. And that's always, I don't know, stuck with me, I guess. So I try, I mean, I don't know, like you said, just try and be an ally, and that's, that's what I've tried to do. Right. So, mm-hmm.
0: And but. I guess, you know, I grew up like Ann. I, I didn't, I wasn't raised that way. I mean, I grew up, well, in the hood in Fort Wayne, but most of my friends were not white. (laughs) Um, And then with the Black Lives Matter, George Floyd, I like my youngest son's full Hispanic. I did not ever have a different conversation with him. I didn't raise him any different than I raised my other two older kids. It wasn't until that happened that we opened our dialogue in our home and he told me how he was treated differently by Hispanic people because he didn't speak Spanish and why he dropped out of Spanish class and other people of different color too. So he felt really quiet. You know, like, he's like, and I felt horrible. What am I gonna do about it? So that's when I got more involved and we started talking more and we started having more conversations. Me and Rob have had conversations. I was like, it's time for me to get more educated for myself So I could better raise just because I didn't raise them that way didn't mean that they weren't gonna be affected by it by the outside world. Mm -hmm. And I felt like horrible as a parent. But and that's why he don't wanna drive. He does not want to get his driver's license. We gotta understand how all these different things and I appreciate everybody coming to come come together, how, you know, for our leadership to bring this out, bring it to the floor. And you guys do share a bunch of stories. I don't know if there's any stories that you would like to share with us. I do appreciate this conversation.
4: And the good thing too about United Front, one of the things that I like about it, knowledge is power. It's power. You know, when you think of diversity, equality and inclusion, having knowledge of it is powerful.
0: Mm -hmm.
5: Something that I didn't realize or I didn't think of growing up because Like the rest of them, I was brought up that you treat people based on how they treat you. And you see them for their heart and their soul and their goodness, you don't look for their faults. And I grew up not thinking of being privileged or thinking that whites were better than people. I wasn't raised that way. Or that whites were entitled or that we were giving things just because of the color of our skin. So when we hit that topic, it really resonated with me because I'd never seen that before that because I didn't think of it that way. And I didn't realize some you know that just because of the color of your skin, you got things that other people didn't get. So that's a topic that really hit home with me and made me stop and think growing up. Did that resonate with me? Did that happen to me? Did that happen to people? I know that they got something just because they were white, not because that they deserved it or that they knew how to do it. You know, did they get better colleges? Did they maybe get home loans that uh, they, that other people wouldn't have got? And learning all of that has made me, as a human, think how sad it is that our race and us as humans can't show humanity and compassion and love for each other. and uh, we can be so cruel and so mean to people that don't deserve it so that brings me to want to be a better person and treat better people and treat people the way they deserve to be treated not just by their race or their color or their skin or tattoos or whether you're LGBTQ or what part of the country you live in or what part of the city you live in we're humans let's treat each other as that
4: and to go along what she said just sit here thinking prior to hiring in at general motors i used to work at a university which i'm not going to say the university as a processing coordinator in financial aid and they had uh the director the sometimes they have like endowed money endowed scholarship or people put into a fund and he can give it out as need based and just so happened i processed all the paperwork so he had two individuals one girl was from she was Af- she was afro-american she was from Trinidad. Then there was another girl, she was um, Caucasian, but I don't know where she was from. But the girl from Trinidad, her family was very poor, um, but as far as their GPA, this girl was top-notch. The other girl was good, but she was top-notch. Uh, I almost said his name. The director stated, and he didn't know I was sitting there, he said, well, we're gonna give it to, and I'm just gonna say an Afro-American Caucasian. He said, we're just going to give it to the Caucasian girl. So I sat there as long as I could. Then after he did the package, I asked him, I said, why did you, no, I said, how did you determine who got the money? He said, well, she probably would never finish school. Okay, but if you looked at the GPA, you know, alone, I wouldn't have looked at the color, but the GPA alone, and then you look at their need base she was the one that she should have gotten.
0: Mm-hmm. She had all and she kinds of she probably had more too. ambition and yeah. motivation.
4: Yeah. And then if you looked at their packages, what this person parent was paying everything. And the Afro-American girl, she had every student loan, every parental loan that was out there.
0: And we still have that box. Check this for your race. Check Absolutely. this for your gender. Absolutely. You know, what religion are you? It's like, dang, you are yes. putting me, and that's like, I try to get my kids earlier, and I'll be real honest, I didn't even, it didn't even trigger my thought back then. I have three kids, I wanted them to get into bunch because it was a Montessori program, it was a better school. I only got my three kids into that school because my youngest son was Hispanic and going into the preschool program. And then they automatically let the other two in, who are. and I'm like, if I would have never checked that box, I wouldn't have pulled their lottery ticket you know what I mean and it was like wow I didn't even think about it until after he was like mom why do you think the only reason we got in that school and I was like because I applied every year until he was ready for four-year-old preschool and that's when they got in I'm like dang so it's just it's it's crazy how our dynamics and like sometimes we don't look at it like I've been blind-eyed I haven't looked at it in that type of way until a lot of things have been brought to light.
6: Now, United Front, we know what the great thing is. United Front, a lot of their focus right now too, which this is going to be a yearly program, and they're going to just keep continuing to grow. One of the things is, is is the workplace. Right now, we're discussing the workplace, and with their way it's because everybody works, right? You know, regardless of what community you're in, you know, your workforce is very diverse. So it's for Leaders, like we have a lot of leaders in our workshops, that are learning from this and learning what they're doing without even knowing they're doing it. So that way, people can progress in their workplace and enjoy their job. Actually, enjoy it and feel a part of what they're doing because that's where you keep employees. You know, that's how you you know you hate to walk into a workplace and then feel like you don't belong. You know, because you're not going to be productive, right? So one of the avenues they use and and they're using is is. Teach you about your mind. Teach you about your indiscretions. Teach you about your your biases. So that way, when somebody does go for a promotion, you're keeping those biases here, and you're you're acknowledging who they are, what they are, what they're doing. You're looking. Actually, you're looking at their resume, and you're giving them a safe work space so that they can grow and build your business. You know, your workers are your key. How much money are you gonna make without a worker? You know, right. without a good worker, right? Unless you're an independent entrepreneur, right? So. United Front, they're giving our leaders, our our supervision and our management, you know, owners of businesses, they're giving them tools to better grow their businesses. And what better way to grow your business than through diversity, than through getting, it's like what I said with our union, and I had wrote an article years ago, but it was uh, my union, my power, our success. You know, where if we don't reach out to our, our, if we don't acknowledge our membership, if we don't acknowledge their assets, you know, if we negate their assets, then we can't grow as a union. You know, uh, if we exclude people and not become diverse, then we're losing gems, we're losing a, a great our, ourselves as a union, period. But we're using, we're losing assets that could help us build and grow miles ahead where we're at now. You know, so, yeah, in front brings that. And it's amazing because Dr. Lasambe is just amazing. The things he says is just amazing. The guy is, I mean, he's just a ball great. of knowledge. I mean, if he wasn't in it, some of these conversations I probably wouldn't even be in it myself.
7: He's not hard to um, follow and it's very easy to keep up with. And like Nelson said, speaking of actions, there's a lot of leaders in the community. So it's great for the entire community of Fort Wayne. So we've done eight topics so far. Mm-hmm. And the next three are actually like Action one. So the next three that we're going to be working on are actions of an ally. So we've talked about allyship, and so hopefully in the next one we'll learn about more ways that we can become better allies, how we can take actions in that. We're also going to be doing facing the fears of an open dialogue, which is what we're doing right now. We're facing fears, but um, more ways that we can maybe do that in our workplace and how we can talk to our coworkers and. Um, just you know our families and just other people in the community and then approach to having difficult conversations because sometimes when these things come up at work or somebody says something you know a lot of us just don't do anything about it or just keep quiet but the thing we need to start doing is confronting those things when they happen because if people just think it's okay and they let it slide then they'll continue to do it so we need to confront those things so and then our last one will be a wrap up so this is a year long process so um, we kind of grasp the main parts of the topics and now we're gonna hopefully go into some, you know, action movements and do
1: yeah, exactly. better ways
7: of, you know, how we can continue to work towards, you know.
1: Yeah. I was actually gonna ask you guys some of those questions. I didn't realize you hadn't had the class yet. So like what are ways you you, to approach to have these conversations. I mean we talk about
7: stuff in our Zooms about like things that have happened to us and stuff and how we've done it but I think mm-hmm. Dr. Losambe will hopefully give us some better tools of how we can do things and I'm not saying that we all have the right answers or we'll ever have the right answers but you know anytime that we can all help each other with better ways to go about things when you're confronted with certain situations especially when it comes to such uncomfortable topics mm-hmm. there's nothing you know, that you can go wrong with, like, if you're helping each other through these things. So anytime we can sit and have a conversation like this and give each other a better idea of, you know,
6: how to go about it. Yeah, it's like our, our Dale Carnegie class that we took. Yeah, that um, was a good one too. The key thing to, to if somebody says something that you're like, the key, the key thing is to say, tell me more. Don't just shut them down or just don't lash at them, lash out at them, right? Just tell me more. Because the whole purpose of, of what we're doing here is so people tell you more.
4: And so it goes back to what we said earlier, knowledge is power. And one of the things I told the group earlier we talked about, one of the things I even have it written down at work, what you tolerate teaches people how to treat you.
7: Yeah, Like I said, if you don't call what them out tolerate. on it, they'll continue to do it. So, or you can always ask, tell me why you feel that way. Maybe try to understand where they're coming from because a lot of that, like we talked about in the very beginning, is that um, anchor bias that's inherited. So maybe, like, that's what they learned. So if that's how they, that's all they know. It doesn't mean that it's necessarily negative or, I mean, it comes out as negative, but they don't realize it. So if you can keep asking them, well, why do you feel that way? And maybe get them to understand from your point of view or just explain your feelings, you know, you might be able to come to a middle ground and at least. Hear both and
4: sides again, out. being vocal, what you tolerate teaches people how to treat
2: you. So no. you're you're going to have to help them people that's not vocal, absolutely, passive aggressive, yeah. absolutely, and give them a voice and help them speak up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So yeah, this this class sounds amazing. Yeah, it does. It really is. Can I can I put my resignation? Back? At, at the, <laughs> at the <laughs> end of every
7: session, they always ask like, um, you have to take a pre survey and a post survey about like, do you know these topics? What did you learn? And then answer questions about it. And then at the very end, it's like, what can we do to improve? And my answer is always, can we have everyone take this? <laughs> because it is that informative. And like I said, it's not hard to follow along. It's not one of these things where you're like, oh man, I got to, you know, because I literally learn something every time. Some of these things it's like, I didn't, like Jana said, you didn't have a name for it, but you realize like, oh, I know exactly what that is, but now there's a name to it. and. I'm just like, oh, OK, now I get it.
4: And I'm going to tell you, this even going with learning about microaggression. For me, that was huge. That was really
1: huge. What is a microaggression? That's a my huge
4: opinion. microaggression. So, well, yeah, we'll
5: talk about it. What, what is it? Microaggression. It's kind of like a, people do the little hints. Little digs. Little digs. Maybe they, they act like it's a joke, and they laugh about it, but you know that they really meant it. So insult,
4: and devaluing, yeah.
5: something little that yeah. just gets to you, and you know that okay. Well, even though they're laughing about it, they really mean it, and they'll play it off like, oh, it's just a joke. Well, no, it's not a joke, because that really does hurt your feelings, and that really does offend somebody, even though you're trying to make it funny. It's not funny.
7: Well, it can be verbal
5: or physical, right?
6: It's like once I wrote an article for a newspaper, a local, for the newspaper, and um, they looked at me like, did you write this? And I'm like. I gave it to you right It has my name on it so it's things like that what I know you know right. and, and they were there were friends with me you know there were and I mean and, and it never got published because other things it got published here though but it is things like that that's microaggressions okay. things like did you write that did you do this is this yours you know it's things like that that people don't and but, listen
4: to the definition the definition is good brief and commonplace verbal behavior environmental indignities, intentional or unintentional, that communicate hostile or derogatory slights and insult to target, person, or group. They devalue a person.
2: We hear that in the plant every day. Mm-hmm. every day. Every day. Every mm-hmm. day. Well, you
1: guys kind of, the temp thing, I think. Yeah. Or your right. attempt, yeah. or yeah. Oh, yeah. how many
6: years you got in? Oh. Yeah. So yeah. Not
2: even attempt the people who work a little slower than others. Uh-huh. You know they get it a lot. You know there's people that say little slight comments to them, and you sitting there like, man, you digging at them. That's wrong. That's wrong. Mm-hmm. Think about seniority. Yeah. Yeah. That's another huge one.
1: Which is so odd though, because it's yeah. we're all on the same. Like it's we're working. We are not. We're not supervisors. Why do we care how fast someone else is working? Absolutely. Why do we care really how much Absolutely. seniority somebody has? But we do it.
2: Or the main thing why does somebody taking a day off upset you yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah
4: or if you
3: get to be in this class Mm -hmm. they or you're 109 for something or you're involved with something and everybody wants to be like oh what do you do to get able to do all these classes or well put yourself out there and you could be included in these classes or be in a committee or put yourself out there right. you know right. oh you're you got a 109 again i'm always <laughs> accepting new uh members to the labor committee if anybody <laughs> <laughs> would like to join yeah,
6: exactly. i'll be rigged by great dane to the kickball tournament to appreciate that appreciate that nelson <laughs> but one All thing right. i do have to say though what, we, i'm sure we got to wrap this up soon but yep. one thing I, I do have to say though is one thing that really struck me because I was kind of dubbing what, whether sometimes I, I felt like getting out of the class myself. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it is a tough class. It's not an easy thing that we were doing, you know. And some people have gotten out of it. But there's one thing Dr. Lasambe said that always inspires me to keep on going. He says, if we don't tap into diversity, then we don't have a complete picture of God. And I was like, wow. That was just, I mean, it was just, it was deep and profound. And, and you could correlate that with anything. Like, I correlated that with with the UAW and our, and our values. You know, if we don't tap, tap into diversity, then we don't have a complete picture of the UAW, of solidarity, you know? But his one statement, right, like that, this is this type of, of knowledge we're gaining from United Front and the professors and the people that are giving us this knowledge, and it's, a, it's amazing. So hopefully, with this knowledge we're gaining, hopefully, you know, we, we'll have the full buy, buy-in of our leadership, and, um, and we'll bring it down to the membership. You know, the thing is, it's not about throwing this down people's throats, right? It's just, it's about giving people the opportunity to do better and be better. And how do you grow a union, you know? But through its memberships, through solidarity, And you know, if we don't build our membership, what do we have? What are we fighting for? Right.
7: And we just want to let people know that the leadership are a safe place and that that's why we want to make sure that we know that we're
6: doing the work. Yeah. I mean, for us to be involved in this program shows you our leadership is doing what, what they need to do. They're
0: being proactive. Yeah, absolutely.
6: Yeah, we just need more, you know, always, right? It never ends, right? Right. We, you know, eventually, sometimes you get new leadership. You know, we got to continually grow, continually do this. You know, not wait for that next moment, that next person that dies. Right. right? You know, not that next strike that we have or the next, you know, plan, you know don't wait. Keep on progressing. Keep on doing what you need to do
4: and i personally would like to thank you know holly and richie for just even buying into this you know because again you hear me say it forever knowledge is power
7: Mm -hmm.
4: knowledge is power
5: and not only you know knowledge is power but we as humans we make mistakes so as you're going on we're going through this journey learning all these names and understanding how to use them if you make a mistake acknowledge it and just do better not to do it again. So we learn from our mistakes.
6: And don't judge, you know. They made a mistake, you know. Hopefully they'll do better. Hmm. We tend to judge, you know, we tend to think, you know. A lot of times we want to eat our own sometimes, right? (laughs) But uh, (laughs) a lot of times we have that, it's about me mentality. But in a union, it's not about you.
1: Right. So before we completely wrap this up, is there anything, any last thoughts any of you wanted to share before we finish?
6: Nope, I hear the crickets.
1: Yep. All right. Well, well,
0: well, I was gonna say, if you're interested, it is Article Two of our Constitution, Section Two, to unite in one organization, regardless of religion, race, creed, color, sex, political affirmation or nationality, age, disability, marital status, or sexual orientation, gender identity, or gender expression. All employees under the jurisdiction of the International Union. It is in our constitution this is supposed to be what we do every day on the floor, and I'm glad our leadership is getting involved, pushing this. I mean, it's not something new that we've done. We brought up the fact that Martin Luther King wrote his speech at the Solidarity House. Uh, Walter Ruther walked with him during the walk. Like, it's not something new that our organization, but we're being more proactive, and I appreciate that.
6: You know, United Front has acknowledged that they, they hear us and they see us, and they, and all these other companies, too. They're inspired by the groups that we have, the things that we do to be inclusive, you know, our, our, our committees, and how we do embrace diversity. You know, sometimes we do fall, but we're not perfect. But United Front was inspired, and a lot of people are inspired by what we do. We are, you know, we are the UAW, we're out there for everyone.
2: Man, it's too bad we couldn't give a round of applause because they need it, you know, but don't do it microphones please <laughs> <laughs> I we were about to get there,
1: she I know. there. I know I know, know. alright well everyone thanks for joining us uh, hope you. you have a thank great you. day thank everyone here for coming in sharing what you guys have learned that was really awesome thank you so much